Well, it is indeed in God and in Christ alone that we find our hope. And so no matter what it is that we are going through, no matter the challenges and the difficulties that we may face, let us always remember that Christ has already won and he has already been victorious for us and we can always find hope in knowing that. And so today we will be uh, continuing our lesson on discipleship here for our church. Now this lesson or this course here is a 20 hours course designed by the Sun Life Ministry. It's non-denominational. It is used for um, in many different denominations to train in terms of discipleship. And so it's more of a training program rather than um, something for us uh, than a, a sermon or anything of that sort. And so last week we, we already went through a couple slides in regards to discipleship. It is something that is significant within the church. If we are to invest in anything in the church, the most important thing for us to invest in is in people. And so as we invest in people that in the church, that is what we call discipleship. And we ended on this slide last week during our combined service, and we said that discipleship is a process. It is not a program. It is a process by which the Holy Spirit works through the inspired scriptures, related materials, and spirit-empowered believers to lead individuals to Christ, build them up in Christ, and equip them for effective lifelong ministry for Christ. And so in order for us to be able to do to do discipleship within the church, we must understand that it is not based upon a program, but it is based upon a process in which the Holy Spirit works. It is not a process in which the pastor does his stuff. It's not a process for, for, any of our, for the leaders or the teachers or anything of that sort, but it is a process in which the Holy Spirit works works. And we must, like we said last week, just a little review from last week, we must understand who the Holy Spirit is. If we define the Holy Spirit in, in the wrong way, then our whole discipleship process, our whole discipleship program within the church falls apart. Many churches, um, many denominations, they define the Holy Spirit as a force of God. That is not how the Bible defines it. The Bible does not define the Holy Spirit as a force of God, but rather the Bible defines the Holy Spirit as part of the Trinity and equal with the Father and also with the Son. And so the Holy Spirit is a person of the Holy Trinity. He is not a feeling. He is not an emotion. He is not a force, but rather he is. He is a person of the Holy Trinity, co-equal with the Father and the Son. And he is the one who is actually with us today. The Holy Spirit is the one that's teaching us today. He's the one that's working in our hearts today. That's leading us to truth. And Jesus Christ said to his disciples upon his um, return to to the Father, he said to his disciple that the Holy Spirit will come and the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. And the Holy Spirit, he will not speak of his own, but he will speak only of what he hears. And so, in other words, Jesus Christ is leading us back to the understanding that uh, the Holy Spirit will work only as according to the will of the Father and the Son, just as Jesus Christ, who came to to this earth, he said that I am not here to do my will, but I am here to do the Father's will. And this he is not saying that he is, 
he is lesser than the Father, but what he is saying is that he is saying that they work together. The Father and the Son works together, and this is what the, Father, what the Son does is what the Father desires, and the same thing applies to the Holy Spirit. And so we can't negate the Holy Spirit from the Holy Trinity. We can't forsake the Holy Spirit from the Holy Trinity. We have to understand that it is the Holy Spirit that lives with us today, and he is the one that is working uh, with us today and discipling us and, and sanctifying us and um, purifying us and leading us into maturity and leading us into Christian maturity. And he does this through the Holy Scripture, through the inspired scriptures of God, or in other words, through the Bible. This is what he does. And so the Holy Spirit and the, the Son and the Father will never contradict one another. The, the scriptures teaches us that if there is any spirit that teaches us that comes and tries to lead us, but if that spirit leads us in contradiction to the scriptures, then that is not the spirit of God, but that is a different spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, who is working with us today, will never contradict the Father, will never contradict the Son. And so they work together. And so when we, we're able to, um, when we understand what the Holy Spirit is, when we uh, understand that he works through the scriptures, through the teachings of the scriptures, through the proclamation of the scriptures, then we will have related materials. And spirit-empowered believers, that's what I want us to focus on, is the spirit-empowered believers. Many times we don't, if, if, we, if we get the whole Holy, Holy Spirit thing wrong, then we, you know, we, we, we're not going to have any spirit-empowered believers in the church. And that's, and that's what discipleship is all about, is that God uses spirit-empowered believers. These are people who are filled with God's spirit to train the church, to lead the church. And so in order for us to get there, in order to get there, to have spirit-empowered believers, to be part of our church, to be part of our discipleship program, is we must understand the first part of Holy Spirit and the inspired scriptures. And then the purpose is to lead individuals to Christ, to build them up in Christ, and to equip them for effective, lifelong ministry for Christ. And so uh, we're, we're going to break this thing, uh, these things down you know, as, as we progress throughout this course, we're going to get into more details about this. But for now, one of the things I want to focus on is the lifelong ministry for Christ. And many times in our churches, we fail to uh, equip our people to do lifelong ministry for Christ, especially our young people. And many times, once they leave the church, uh, many of them never come back. Some of them, when they're 30, 40 years old and they start having a family, they may come back, but the majority of them, they don't come back. And so it all starts. It all starts up there with the Holy Spirit. And we talked about this last week that, you know, uh, if, we, if we look at all our Christian denominations here in the United States, the fastest growing Christian denomination is the Pentecost and the Assemblies of God. You know, and sometimes we, we look at them and we may say that, you know, maybe they t they're taking the Holy Spirit too far. And maybe they are, but they do have this focus on the Holy Spirit, on the working of the Holy Spirit. And that's part of the reason why they're growing is because they're really passionate about finding out who the Holy Spirit is. And even, in our, even for us as United Methodists, um, we also, of course, we're Christians, so we also believe in the Holy Spirit. Many times we... 
may not, we may not emphasize the Holy Spirit enough in, in the United Methodist Church, but even in our emblem, in, in our logo, we have that fire to represent the Holy Spirit working in our lives. So uh, it's a lot of times we have these things, but we, we just fail, maybe as, as, as pastors or as, as leaders of the church, to really emphasize on them. And it's something that's very important for us to understand is the role of the Holy Spirit. And so this week, this week we go to this, this verse here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 to verse 9, which Alma read for us today and says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. And we know that Jewish people who practice Judaism, they take this literally, and so they do tie things to their heads and bind them on their foreheads. Uh, The point of this Bible verse here is God is speaking to the parents, specifically to the fathers of the house, um, to to let us know that discipleship must start in the home. Discipleship does not start at church, it starts in the home. And we as parents, as fathers and as mothers, it is our duty to disciple our children. And many times we, many times we often see the church as the ones to disciple our children. Many times we send our children, drop them off at church, and then we expect them to disciple our children. But as according to the scriptures, it teaches us that discipleship must start in the home. And so it doesn't matter how effective we may do our discipleship within the church. It doesn't matter if we do it, you know, we, we have all the correct steps within the church to do discipleship. But if we fail to do discipleship in the home, then the discipleship in the church will not be effective. Now, if we were to look at all world, world religions, we see that one of the fastest growing world religion in the world is the Muslim faith. It is the Muslim faith. Now, whether we agree or disagree with them theologically is not the point today, but the thing is that the re- part of the reason why they're growing so quickly as Christianity is declining, part of the reason for that is because they focus a lot on the home. They focus a lot inside their family on, on discipleship, teaching their children the, the truth or the theology of their own faith. And so because of that, they are growing. And so we see that, that in every command for discipleship, in every command for discipleship in the scriptures, it always commands us to start in the home. Okay? So it always, everything in the scriptures when it comes to discipleship is, commands us to start in the home. So it's our responsibility as parents to make sure that we are leading our children inside the home in worship. It's, it's important for us to lead our children in a home and Bible study, okay, about the importance of the faith of Christianity inside our home. And it's always good for us to designate, I usually designate about 30 minutes or so to sit, you know, per week, just to sit down with your children, okay? Sit down with your children to do a little Bible study, to do a little worship with your children. It's always a positive thing. So it says here, effective discipleship in the church cannot take place until we have discipleship in the home. So that's very important for us to remember. If we truly want to grow the church, if we truly want to create healthy disciples in our church, then we must start thinking about how we're going to 
do discipleship within our family, within our house, within our home. We need to start designating time for our family to worship together. And so one of some of the things that we need to ask ourselves is, what are you teaching your children in your home? Okay? What is it that we're teaching? And what are the priorities in our homes? What is it that we prioritize? Many times we often prioritize other things besides the Christian faith. Many times we prioritize soccer, right? Taking our kids to play soccer, to play sports, to play baseball. We, we prioritize taking our kids to, to ballet classes, you know, um, and all these things. And, and, and we prioritize these things. And oftentimes our, our, our faith, our Christian faith, becomes secondary. And so when we fail, when we fail in the, in the, in the home, it, it really affects the way that we discipleship, we do discipleship in the church. And so the question we must ask ourselves as parents and grandparents is that what are we prioritizing in our home? Are we prioritizing our Christian faith within our home? Is faith being prioritized, okay? So is faith being prioritized in your home? Is religion being taught as a significant part of your children's life? If we look at the history of, if we look at human history, we often see that religion has always been an important part of human history. It gives us our culture, okay? It gives us a culture and also gives us our identity. You know, with, with the culture, then, then it gives you an identity. Um, you know, the, the, the Hmong, the Hmong uh, culture right now is going through a big shift here in the West as they come here in the West is that they are starting to lose their culture. They're starting to lose their religion, and then because they're starting to lose their religion, now they're starting to lose their culture, and then now they're starting to also lose their identity. They don't know who they are. Many kids nowadays don't even speak Hmong anymore. They don't know where they, they came from. They don't know their history. They don't know... You know, they don't know the structure of their, their own community, the, structure, the social structure of their own culture and things of that sort anymore. And so it's, it's something that, uh, for the, it's very new for the Hmong culture as they are, they are um, um, struggling through the loss of their own identity here in, in the West. And so many times when, when we throw these things away, this, a lot of times just what we go through is that we, we start losing our culture. And once we start losing our culture, we start losing our identity. And we start losing our identity. We don't know where we came from. We don't know our history. And we don't know where, where we'll be going anymore. And so um, the thing is that we need to ask is, is religion being taught as a significant part of your children's life? Are spiritual and heavenly things being shared with your children? Right? A lot of times we forsake the spiritual things. A lot of times uh, in Western academia, uh, a lot of times, one of the things that we do is we get rid of the spiritual side and we, we talk simply about the physical side of life. We talk about the material side of life and we let go of all the spiritual aspect of life. And so one of the things that we need to question ourselves is that in my home, am I still sharing the spiritual things and heavenly things with my children? Are they still a significant part of my life? Are they still a significant part of my children's life? Or have I, set, have I let go all the spiritual stuff and simply focusing on the, the material side of life, the physical realm of life? And so these are things that we really need to question as we start thinking more and more about discipleship. And then at the core of your belief, 
okay, as, as parents of the church, as members of the church, at the core of our belief, do we see faith and religions as a means to progress? Or do we see it as a hindrance to progress? And so where does, where does our faith stand in our own life? Okay? Do we see it as a source for salvation? Okay, salvation always talks about a, a means towards progress in our own life. And many times we see faith, we see religion as something that's backwards, as something that's a hindrance to our life. And so when we see it in this way, it, it, it affects the way that we teach our children. It affects the way that we, the, the things that we emphasize with our children. And once that happens in the home, when, the, when in the church, our strength comes from each and every single family, okay? The families, if we have strong spiritual families who, who are in love with Jesus Christ, who, who sees their faith as something that is, like, like the Bible says, that sets you free, something that is a means to progress, then we can do effective ministry within the church. We can do effective discipleship within the church. But if, we have, but if the families of our church see faith as just a hindrance, as something that's backwards, as something that that's, uh, that's, you know, belongs you know, um, a thousand years ago only or something like that, if we see it in that sense, then we're, we're not going to have that emphasis on the importance of faith. And one of the things that we often see in terms of the growth of the church is how we take discipleship, how we view discipleship. We know the great, uh, the great commission from Jesus Christ, right? He tells us to go out and make disciples. Churches that see that literally, they grow. Churches that don't see that literally, they don't grow. Okay, because some churches, they see that and they see the idea of making disciples, making disciples or evangelizing as a means to force your faith on other people. Churches that, 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 that sees the Great Commission in that way, they tend to not want to evangelize. And when they don't evangelize in the church, all, all, the only thing that happens is without evangelism, without discipleship, then you start losing, you know, you're not going to grow. But church, churches that sees the Great Commission as, as literally, as, as something you must do as a Christian, is something that is your responsibility as a commandment for you to do, then churches that does that, they tend to grow more, okay? And so I'm going to end this, uh, for this week, we're, I'm going to end it at this. And we have, a, you know, we still have a lot of, of other things to discuss as we progress throughout this uh, course here on discipleship. So at this time, let us pray together. God, we thank you so much for calling all of us to be your children. We pray that we will have the heart and the vision to also go out there and to call upon other people and to disciple them, to share your good news, to share the message of the gospel with them and to lead them to you. Father, we ask that you bless our church. We ask that you bless us in our ministries. We ask that you bless us as we set our hearts and our vision upon multiplying your kingdom. So we lift everyone up to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.